this morning. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. I know you say we're not in the book of Mark. I know I'm missing the book of Mark this morning. But we will be back to the book of Mark, the beginning of the year. For this week and then through Christmas, starting next week, we're going to start a series just on Sunday morning of going from creation to the coronation all the way through. And we're going to look at Christ from the beginning all the way to the end and everything in between. And we're going to do that in five weeks. And the Bible talks about we can't even contain the books that could be written about Jesus. And somehow we're going to piece it all together in five weeks. We're not going to get it all there, but I think you know what I mean. Psalm 100 this morning, we see this psalm, a psalm of praise, a call to thanksgiving. Let's read, starting in verse number 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Father in heaven, we're thankful for today, thankful for this passage of scripture. Thank you for the singing already this morning that's blessed my heart, and I Know that as we sing to you this morning, there's nothing greater that we can do. As we look at this psalm this morning, call to thanksgiving. Pray that you would help us this morning. Encourage us, motivate us, and help us live for you today. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We look at this psalm. It's a series of psalms that begin in Psalm 91 which talk about the advent and the coronation of the King, Jesus Christ. The true setting of Psalm 100 is in the millennial kingdom during the reign of Christ, a time when the world will be filled with the goodness of Christ, when we'll have a real leader we can look to and be proud of, right? We can look at the perfect leader. You can, when Jesus is going to reign, we can hope in our leader then. I would not put too much confidence in any leaders today. But it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. But someday King Jesus is going to reign. And we believe in a literal millennial reign of Christ. It's not figuratively going to happen. It's going to happen. A thousand years we're going to reign and rule with Christ. And Christ will be in control. What a blessed time that's going to be. It's going to be a time when the earth is filled with praise to our God. And thank God today that you, those of us that are saved get to partake in that someday. And I can't wait for that. And when we look at this psalm and we might say, well, those are things that are going to come. Those are future events. There is still application that applies to our lives today in 2021 found in this passage. This psalm is a psalm, a call to thanksgiving. A literal title could be a psalm of shouting, is what really the literal translation would be. It's a plea from the psalmist to the hearts of the readers of this book to lift up the Lord and to exalt Him, is what it's a call for. 
Thursday, we carry out a tradition that's older than the United States has been around. In 1621, after after a terrible year, which about half their number died of starvation and disease, the pilgrims set aside three days in December to praise God for the bountiful corn harvest that he gave them. Many years later, in 1789, President George Washington proclaimed November 26th as a national day of thanksgiving unto the Lord. That was in response to God's gracious and graciously granting America its independence from Britain. In 1863, President Abraham Lincoln revived the old tradition of rendering thanks unto God. And finally, in 1941, the United States Congress decreed that the fourth Saturday in November was to be a national day of thanksgiving thanksgiving unto the Lord God. Not anyone else, to the Lord God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that we serve, that's the God to give thanks to. For many, though, Thursday's a day when family will just gather together. We will gorge and eat a lot of food and watch football on TV. And most importantly, it's just a day I don't have to go to work for most people. May I just remind you, I hope that in this room today, it is much more than that. May we also never be guilty of just giving God thanks one day a year. Because the Bible makes it clear that it is the will of God for every one of his children to be thankful all the time. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I have people all the time. Say, Pastor, I just want to know God's will. What does God want me to do? The best thing to do, Christian, get this. Before you want to discover God's word, do what the Bible already says is God's will now. So here's a question. You say, Pastor, I want to be doing the will of God. So are you giving God thanks in everything? Say, um, in everything? Yeah, there's no asterisk there or parentheses that says only the good things. In everything, give thanks. Now, I'm not saying, oh, you, you get sick. Thank you, God, that I'm sick. That's not what we're referring to right here. Although God works and God knows what he's doing, but in the midst of trouble sometimes, God is this passage that we're going to look at today. The Lord's good. The song that the, our little ensemble said, we will remember. In those tough moments, in everything, give thanks because God is still good and we need to keep our eyes and our focus on him and it's his will for us as we look this morning at Psalm 100 portions of scripture like this help us not only to challenge us to be thankful but also just to remind us of God's goodness we're going to take a little bit of time this morning and run through this psalm, and I'm going to preach for the next few minutes on the topic of a call to thanksgiving. Number one, as we dive into the message today, we see our entrance into his presence. Our entrance into his presence. Now, I, we see here, how should we come into the presence of the Lord? It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Do you see that right there? 
Let me ask you a question. When you come into the presence of the Lord, how do you come? I think this psalm lays out how a believer should come to the Lord. This is the way the Lord likes it. But many times, God, I need this. That's how we enter God's presence. Do you like it when, so, you know, you might, have, you might have family, you might have a kid in your family or something of that nature. They don't call or they don't keep up with you very often. But when they need something, they call. Hey, I, could you watch the kids tonight? Oh, hey, haven't heard from you in two months. Good to hear from you. Hey, um, I'm short on money for Christmas presents. Could you help? And a lot of times you'll help and do whatever, the, whatever you can. But same thing with God. We come to God like we just, you know, it's more like we think he's this little genie inside this lamp. We rub the lamp and what three wishes do you want? That's not how it works with God. And the Bible clears it for us how we should come into his presence. And as we look here, the psalmist opens by issuing a call to worship and praise before the Lord. It teaches us how to come into his presence. And by the way, nothing brings us into the presence of the Lord like lifting up his name. The Bible tells us in Psalm 22.3, do we have that verse up there? We don't have that verse, but that verse tells us that he will inhabit the praise of his people. You'll notice three things we see this morning, or three ways that we can do it as we look at our entrance into his presence. Letter A, we see we enter with shouting. The Bible says, make a joyful noise. And I know we tease a lot for those of us that don't sing very well. Say we make a joyful noise, and I tease about that. That's not, is not talking about that. It, the word noise here means to shout. That's literally what it means right here, to shout. So make a joyful noise literally means to shout vocal praise to the Lord. That's kind of old-fashioned. Most people don't like to do that in our day and age. But there is nothing wrong with saying, praise God. Thank God for what he's doing in my life. When's the last time you entered into his presence with shouting? And it's not because he can't hear you. He can hear you this morning. I was on the phone with one of our older church members yesterday. He's about 91. I had to yell into the phone for him to be able to hear me. And I was thinking about this sermon. And God doesn't need me to yell out to him because he can't hear me. But you say, Pastor, it's just too hard to shout. So what happens this afternoon when you turn on your football game? And your team's, touchdown! Yeah! Oh, wait, no one does that in this room, do you? You go. That's how you do it, right? Your team's about to win the World Series. The last pitch, it's a strike. Yeah! Um, yeah, yeah. You've seen those fans at those games? That's over a pigskin being thrown through the air. Through a ball getting hit over a fence. Through a ball being put through a hoop. When we enter into the presence of God, we need to verbally declare our praise for him. It glorifies him. It lifts up his name and brings us into his presence. When's the last time you entered his presence with shouting? Or is the only shouting that goes on in your home when you're fighting with your spouse? 
I think it'd be much better to be shouting to the Lord. God, you're good. When's the last time you've ever shouted to the Lord? Make a joyful noise. Make a shout to the Lord, all ye lands. We're going to practice it this morning, okay? I know some of you, Pastor, I haven't raised my voice since yesterday. I know, you'll be okay. So I want you to think something, shout to God, okay? It can be you, it needs to be original right now. It needs to be original for you. It can just be a praise God, glory to God, hallelujah. It could be God, good. Think of something. Does everyone have something? If you have something, raise your hand. Not everybody's hands up. Do you have something? Let's see. I don't see. All right, we're going to do this, all right? And you're going to shout. It's okay. Because it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. When we enter into his presence, we come with a shout. So on the count of three, I want to hear you shout, okay? All right, here we go. I shout all the time, so we're going to let you do it. Here we go. One, two, three. I think Peter just said he needs to go home and shower and take a bath. <laughs> oh, he thanked God for a warm shower. And uh, yes, okay, that's what I thought you said. But <laughs> All right, we're going to do it one more time, okay? Something different. God is good enough to be able to shout two different things to, okay? All right, here we go on the count of three. Here we go, one, two, three. All right, so when we enter into his presence, we enter with a shout. Letter B, we enter with service. Verse number two, the beginning there says, serve the Lord with gladness. We see here as we enter into his presence, we enter into his presence with a shout of praise and gladness as we serve him. That means you teach a Sunday school class, you're to do gladness now. Oh, boy, there comes those kids. Oh. Um, I actually do know, but anyways, we'll leave that one alone. Four of them are mine, so watch out what you say right there. So, ushers, when you come to church, oh, boy, I got to usher again. What's someone? No, serve the Lord with gladness. When you clean the church, serve the Lord with Gladness when you teach in the Christian school. Gladness when you help a special events team at church. You serve the Lord with gladness. And when we think about the word gladness, and as we look at that, I think we understand what that word means. We're never to allow our labor for the Lord to become drudgery. We're not to grow weary in well doing. The word gladness literally means mirth or joy. That is, as we serve the Lord, it should bring joy. And there should be joy as we do it. We get to serve the King of Kings. As we enter into his presence, we enter with a shout, and we serve him with gladness. Hey, this morning, how's your service doing? Are you serving? There's a good question. There's a spot for everyone to serve. Are you serving? You're like, Oh, I just get so tired. That's the problem. You get tired of doing it. Don't you should have. God allows us to be in his service. Those who are not worthy to do anything for Jesus Christ. We're not worthy to tie his shoelace. And yet we get to serve the king of kings this morning. Yesterday people got to serve at the food pantry. 
through the week we've been able to serve in different varieties and ways. And when we come to the Lord and as we enter his presence, we enter with a shout and we have joy as we serve him. Letter C, we enter with singing. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We come into his presence, we shout, right? We serve with gladness. And then we see, it says, verse number two, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. There's only one time or three times a day I go to prayer without singing before I go to prayer. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because if I'm in a restaurant somewhere, you say, well, pastor, are you embarrassed? No, I don't want the rest of the people to have a bad testimony of the Lord by me singing out. You ever come by church, on a run, on a walk, whatever the case may be, and even running, it's still, you still get the words out? Before I go to the Lord in prayer, I always sing. I worship him. Do you see what it says right here? Come before his presence with singing. The word literally means a ringing cry. Lifting up our souls to the Lord through song is a tremendous way to bless him and to exalt him. And in fact, every child of God ought to possess a song inside of them. Say, why do we do the church services the way we do? We want the Lord in this place. And we come before his presence. There's times to shout praise to him. There should be service with gladness here. And we sing to him as we come into his presence. There's a reason behind it all. As we look here this morning at the psalm, We see as we enter his presence, we see we should enter with a shout. We should enter with service. We should enter with singing. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 40, some of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 40, verse 1. You have those verses? You don't have those verses? I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my going verse number three of psalm 40 says and he hath put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our god many shall hear it fear shall trust in the lord you've been given a new when you presence do it with a shout do it with service, and do it with singing. Number two, we see our knowledge concerning his person. Our knowledge concerning his person in this psalm. Every truth learned about the person of the Lord results in another reason to praise him. I hope that you never reach the point in your life where you run out of things to praise the Lord for. He's done so much for us. And as we look at it, everything we do, everything that we are, everything that we have is all because of the Lord this morning. And it's imperative that we don't forget who we serve today. We are servants of the living God. No better than you think about 
not only that, we're children of the King of Kings. As we look at this psalm, and as we think about our entrance into his presence, number two, we see our knowledge concerning his person. The first see there's a word about his power. Verse number three, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. You see a word about his power here. This reminds us of the creative power of God. We're in this world because the Lord in his great power formed man in his image. God made man. God made all the animals. God made everything that's in this world today. And that's something to praise him for today. But it's amazing how today we are worshiping the creation more than the creator. Think about that this morning. There's a word about his power. We see there, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. You notice not only is there a word about his power that he created us, but there's letter B, a word about his purchase. There's a word about his purchase. The psalmist says that we are his people. You see that there? That means we are his possession. We have Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. We are his by the fact that he paid a price to redeem us for our sins. You think about this today. When we were sold under sin, praise his name that he bought us and redeemed us and brought us back. In the New Testament, there are three words used for redeem, different words. And I want to give those to you. And they might already be there in your notes. Well, the first one that we see is from Revelation 5.9. Revelation 5.9, is that in your notes? Do you have that in your notes? And so Revelation 5.9, I'm going to turn there and I'm going to read it for you. Revelation 5.9. It says, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. You see the word redeemed mentioned right there. This word literally means to buy in the marketplace. It has reference to purchasing a slave right off the auction block. That's what Jesus did when he died on the cross for us and he paid the price for us and we're no longer for sale. He bought us, he intends to keep us, and the fact of the matter is that we are his forever. So another time redeemed is used is found in um, Galatians chapter 5 in verse number 9. Galatians 5 in verse number 9. The Bible says, Galatians 5, 9? That's not the right verse. That says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Yeah, that's not the right verse right there. And so, hmm, is it chapter, maybe it's chapter, go to chapter 3. Is it chapter 3? You say, Pastor, do you put a wrong verse down? It happens every once in a while, okay? 
I do that just so you can see that it's chapter 4, verse number 5. To redeem that that are under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. So that's Galatians 4, verse number 5. And the word redeem there means to take off the market. In other words, we're no longer for sale. We've been bought by Jesus Christ and what he did. And then the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter number 1, 1 Peter 1, verse number 18, the other time that redeemed is used, and I'm finding it here. Give me just a second. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 18. The Bible says, For as much as ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who, was verily who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. The word redeemed there means to release after the payment of a purchase price. And so thank God this morning that we are his people. Aren't you glad to be his? Then why do we have a hard time living for him if we like being his? We like the results. We don't like how to get there. We're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We like to say we are his. We like that. So if you're his, live like it. So it sounds a lot better to say we're his. It just, yeah, but to live like it, but that's what it means. There's a word there about his purchase and let her see this morning. There's a word about his provision. There's a word about his provision. Psalm 100, as we're here, verse, the, verse 3 again says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, and look at the end of the verse there, and the sheep of his pasture. It's a word about provision. This verse reminds us that not only are we his people, but that we are his flock. And as so, we are under the protective oversight of the good shepherd today. He has promised several things that ought to encourage us as we enter into his presence and praise him. We think about what are some of the things he's promised us. Number one, his presence. I will never leave thee, and I'll never forsake thee. What a promise. What a promise this morning that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not only did he promise his presence, but he promised his peace. His peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Oh, his provision. He gives us his presence. He gives us peace. He gives us his provision. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if you really think about this verse where it says, and the sheep of his pasture, it reminds me of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why, do I, why shall I not want? Because he's taken care of everything along the way. So you see this morning, our entrance, to his presence and shout. It continues with our service and we serve with gladness before the Lord. And then we enter into his presence with singing. This psalm gives us some more information about God. It reminds us of his power and how he created everything. 
reminds us of his redemptive power. Reminds And then number three, and lastly today, it helps us with our expression of his praise. Let's read verse four and five. So because of all that the Lord has done, we should enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations as we enter into his presence we enter with a shout with serving with gladness and with singing as we read through the scripture, as we see the Bible, we see all that God's done for us and why we should praise him for his power, his creative power, his redemptive power, all the provision that he's given us. Because of all that he's done, and as we've been in his presence, our lives are going to express praise to him. Get this this morning. You know why many Christians have a hard time praising God? Because you haven't entered into his presence in a long time. That's the problem. You haven't thought about his power. You haven't thought about redemption. You haven't thought about his lives. And so we don't have nothing to be thankful for. We keep our praise quiet to ourselves. Or we get mad at that person who's raising their hand in praise to God during a song at church. I'll tell you this, your praise to God at church means nothing if there's no private time during the week. Verse 4 and 5, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. These verses give us three great ways that we can express our praise for the Lord. If he's worthy of our praise in church, is he worthy of our praise this morning? Um, you, can, you can shout it. Is he worthy of our praise this morning? Okay, that's, that's better. That's better. That doesn't even sound like a Baptist church this morning. That's good. Some of you woke up right there. It's okay. You can wake up just a little bit. Are we supposed to glorify him? Then we should know how to do it properly, right? And that's what this shows us. Then, as we look at this, there's a few things that we see. Letter A. Praise should be visible. The psalmist says that we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This isn't an activity that can be, oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. Praise you, Lord. You're awesome. You're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, pretend this is a gate right here. Some of you back here, hey, how's it feel to be in the front right now? That doesn't happen very often, does it? I should do this more often and come to the back. But anyway, no. It's too much trouble. But Gene, it's good to have you back. Gene and Sandy are both back today. Did you notice, though, that there's a hot wind behind them that came with them today? Trouble is back in the building. But anyways, 
So we enter into his gates. The Lord is good. God is awesome. Thank you for what you've done for me. You have been so good. Your grace is sufficient. That's how we're supposed to enter a gate, right? With thanksgiving and praise. That's how we do it. how we do it praise needs to be visible there should be no shame attached to our worship of God anywhere anytime it might help you to see how the Hebrews used to worship God there are three ways in which they did the first one is by clapping Psalm 47, 1, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. This is not referring to a, an applause. And let me, let me help you out this morning as well. Sure, I am grateful for everyone who does special music and everyone who does specials in our church. But let me remind you of something this morning. We are not clapping for their performance. We're not here to praise men for the message that is given or for the song that they sing. If you clap this morning, it should have been in praise to God, remembering and thanking him for all that he's done. It's not an applause. We're not here for the applause of men. We're here to praise God. And so one of the ways that the Hebrews would worship God is they would clap. This was a sudden clap. Drew attention in praise to God. Second way was by lifting of hands. Psalm 63, verse number 4, Thus will I bless thee while I live, I will lift up my hands unto thy name. Psalm 134, to lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. When the hands were lifted towards heaven, it was a sign of adoration and praise. Now, I know some of you, you see in church where people raise their hands, and sometimes you're not completely comfortable with it. My Baptist church growing up, and I'm a Baptist, that's the way I've always been, you didn't see people just raise their hands. Is that biblical? Yes. I don't know about Carla this morning, she almost hit me in the eye, her hand was like sideways, and so she's got to watch out that she doesn't poke my eye out with that side hand, I'm going to have to talk to her about that one right there. But sometimes you might even see it in the service where someone's raising their hand, and I still see some of you like, is that okay? Let me help you. Yes, it is. But I will add this. If you're doing it so people will think that you're worshiping the Lord, then you're missing the point. You lift your hands in praise to him. There are many times that I'm by myself, and my hands are in the air just like this to God. There are many times in song that my hands are like this. It's a way to worship him. They would clap, they would lift their hands, and they would also dance. Now I'm not telling you to do the jitterbug or anything like that, or go crazy with some waltz or anything like that, but the Bible tells us 2 Samuel 6, 14, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. 
I don't think God has a problem with that. Now, I'm not telling you to sing down the aisle. Next, you know, no, don't be doing that because some of you, that, that would be, that's mental pictures that I don't need. Um, but this is the point. A clap, a raise of hands, a little dance to the Lord. It's a visible showing of what God is doing in your life. But if you're doing it so others will look at you and say, oh, they, they're praising the Lord. They're such a good Christian. No, 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 no. You raise your hands and worship because you're worshiping the one who is worthy to be praised. And that's why sometimes, sometimes you'll see me up here. Sometimes it goes up. Say, why? Because I tune all of you out sometimes. And that's where we get in trouble. You have all these singers up here, and I get off track. I don't even know. I'm just singing words, and I close my eyes, and I'm just picturing myself and right before the Lord, worshiping Him. I take that song as we sang a little bit ago, Praise the Name of the Lord Our God. I take my mind to Calvary. And I picture my very best friend. The one who gave his life for me. That was beaten beyond measure. Nailed to a cross. And died for my sin. How can I not raise a hand in worship? He rose again. Someday I'm going to see him face to face. Our expression of our praise, we see letter A, that praise should be visible. Letter B, praise should be vocal. We've already seen verse 1 and 2, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We need to shout, sing before the Lord. True praise to God manifests itself in vocal expression. C. Do we have a letter C? We only went through B. I was debating if I was going to give you C or not. But one of the last things that we see, why do we praise him? Because of verse 5, the Lord is good. His mercy never ends. His mercy is more, as the song says. And his truth endures to all generations. We look at this psalm this morning, and we see a call to thanksgiving. We see our entrance into his presence, should involve shouting. It should involve service with gladness. It should involve singing. And as we enter into his presence, as we spend time in his word and we see his power, his redemption, his provision, it provokes us and builds up and makes us, how can I stop from, or how can I keep from singing your praise? When's the last time you just praised him? When's the last time you entered into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise? When's the last time you were thankful unto him and you blessed his name? Isn't that what Job did? Job, everything's taken away, and as that song we sang this morning, you know, you give and you take, you, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
I don't think that he was just standing there very quiet and psalm like this. He was, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, do your neighbors know that you praise God? Do your co-workers know it? Well, you all know the swear words they say. When's the time you just thank God for something in the middle of the job? Oh, but pastor, what are they going to think? Who cares? Because when you've been in the presence of the king of kings and you've entered into his courts and you made that, you shout, you've been there with him and you know all these things about him, you're going to go out into this world and let everyone know how wonderful he truly is. And the problem is we don't get that time with him. We don't spend that time in his word. So we don't go tell anyone how wonderful he is because we haven't spent the time with him. The call to thanksgiving begins by spending time with him and entering into his presence. If you enter into his presence and through the word of God, it's going to show you who he is. And guess what's going to happen? Your life's going to be a lot more about praise than what it used to be. I'm thankful that we have a holiday called Thanksgiving in America. But we've mentioned it, you know, till, you know, one, one good thing from COVID some stores are closed on Thanksgiving still, again. Used to be, it's amazing, a day of Thanksgiving turns into a day of greed to see who can get the best deals for whatever. Black Friday, isn't that amazing? And, and then late night Thursday. This world will do whatever it can to push God out. But the problem is Christians let that happen because we don't spend time with him and we don't vocalize our prayer. Whatever you hang around, whatever you spend your time doing, you're going It's a fact. If you haven't been talking about Jesus in a while, it might be time you get around. Let's be thankful. Let's bless him. When we worship him corporately, let's worship him the best that we can. When we worship him privately, let's worship him the best that we can. Hey, start shouting to him a little bit. And not because you're mad at him. I've seen people shout at him when they're mad. Shout at him because he's good. Psalm leading this week, and that's why I chose that one to read today and to spend time in. And I hope that we'll take some of these things today. And yes, that the sermon, that passage of scripture is talking about the millennial reign. But you got to get practice because that day's coming. And if you can't sing and worship God now, what are you going to do in heaven? I don't know what you're going to do. You're like, I'll have it figured out by then. I would start now. Because you can praise him for a million years and it's not going to be long enough. We could never praise him enough for all that he's done for us. Father, we